And welcome back to the So Rare Ramble. Today I'm your host. You're all lucky people today because I am hosting the show. I am obviously Ryan, also known as It's Haber on So Rare. I'm joined by Chris or Bullstar, known as on So Rare, so Rare and David or SR Monkey. We've got an action-packed show today. Sorry, I'm, I'm being really enthusiastic just to show them up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought we'd start today with our weekly uh, a weekly catch-up, because uh, one of us would have star rare this week, and one of our brothers actually would have star rare as well. So someone's getting a bit showed up by their brother, Chris. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Do you want me to go first? Go ahead, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you about my sort of last week. So I'm, I mean, I'm pretty happy, really, with how October started. So uh, I've had two T2s. I didn't really... Uh, mentioned what I'd won last week, I don't think, but I've won. Um, I won Alexander Schultz um, last midweek. Uh, came ninety sixth in the All Star, four hundred twenty eight points. Um, so Schultz is a is just a beast of a scorer, uh, really uh, massive, massive peaks. So I was well happy with that. And Pedro Porro the week before um, for a sixty fifth place in the two forty. So. Yeah, again, another uh, really good scoring champ, your U23 defender. So that was my two T2s. Um, I think pretty well, three limited coming this week. But yeah, my brother has stolen the show by a long way. So <laughs> um, as the guys know, um, he has he's won All-Star Rare last midweek. So shout out to Jamie, my brother. Um, he's called Bull 100 on Sora. That's his manager name. And uh, it's his first first place he's had a podium before uh but it's his first first place um and he's been playing similar sort of time to me so about two and a half years so uh really pleased for him a little bit jealous as well as as uh you would be when it's your own brother but uh yeah he won a bruno fernandez he's still got him in the gallery at the moment he is listed on the market i've said i'm going to do a bit of advertising for him so uh if anyone's keen jable 100 is available to negotiate <laughs> um, and yeah, he's he's delighted. So uh, well done to him for that. Um, I know somebody else also won a star rare and had a very very strong performance, didn't they? Right. Well, well. So there, there was there was a star rare <laughs> one in the last week. I picked up a Dominic Berardi for fourth in the end in All Star Rare Pro, and it was one of those weeks where I think I was actually lucky to finish a bit lower because third got a Javi Simmons, and I would not have wanted a Javi Simmons for my gallery. But Berardi's like perfect. I do need another top tier forward at the moment. Um, David, you haven't won a like a star in a, a little bit, but you just churn out four or five rewards every week. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been okay. Yeah. I mean, last month I cleared, I think, sort of nearly three ETH in rewards. So, you know, pretty solid. Um this month has started okay. Picked up two tier twos this weekend near the top end as well it's it's just one of those weekends where you know i started off with loads of teams with like three or even four dark greens and then the last guy just didn't quite nail it and you know i finished 12th in cap 270 which is like the fifth time i finished higher than 15th in the last two and a half months in rare i think including winning it a couple of months ago 
But uh, yeah, so pretty happy with that. And you know, tier twos can be excellent. Like I picked up for the last month long, I picked up the Centrudon Ford Coiter, and he's been yeah. an absolute baller for me so far. But literally, I've had had him for one week, and he's won me another card already. So yeah, it all spins around. Well, one quick thing, Chris, did you ask your brother if he's happy to switch places with you? <laughs> <laughs> Just so we've got the best yeah. one on here. <laughs> he asked me today if I was interested in buying him. So, uh, and yeah, the answer is uh, unfortunately not. <laughs> I'm a bit jealous. I'd love, to, I'd love to have a fire start. Well, not a fire start. I've got a fire start. I'd love to have a reward pull, Bruno Fernandez. Mine, I got off the uh, auction market. But no, tier twos. The thing is with high end tier twos is a lot of the times they could be goalkeepers as well. And a, a goalkeeper is, I love getting goalkeepers because they're such an easy sell if you yeah, don't want to yeah. use them. Um, I'm in a bit of a similar boat. This week, I am 47th in All-Star Rare Pro with 431 points. And the disappointing thing is my captain, Stengs, only scored 45. So had he got a decisive or had a game usual for him, I feel like it could have been a really big week yet again. But the is Bayern boys smashed. Well? Yeah, I've got a tier two, but it's going to be a very, very mid-tier tier two. They start at sort of 21st place and they end at 100th. So I'm sort of looking at like middle of the pool. I reckon maybe like 100. 120 pound card maybe something like that um which i'm not complaining about i'll take that but you know um it's I think, funny actually I think the other thing i think the other thing with tier twos and and you know look at this with the the schultz that i won last week i mean schultz you know i kind of mentioned him to a few other people and they, they couldn't believe that he was a tier two and you go back sort of mid-summer and you know he's easily a tier one card so you know there's a lot of really high-end America and Asia players that are dropping into Tier 2 at the minute that another time in the year would easily be a T1 or even possibly a little bit higher and, and a high-quality Tier 1. So if you're prepared to sort of, you know, hold out and, and wait for that utility to come back round, you're going to get the tail end of their season now. But I think if you win one of those guys, for me at the moment, it's just worth keeping hold of them because you're getting a real top-end player who probably shouldn't be in that that you know where they are in the prize pool, yeah. and it's purely just because of the the stage of the season that their values dropped. I'll tell you right now that Schultz used to be a star in Asia. Yeah, yeah. and basically it's only because the prices have come down. So for listeners that don't know how it works, the tiers are based on prices essentially. So towards the back end of the season, as we are now for Asia and America, as Christian said, you know those players will just drop down the pools. So I noticed that you can get actually pretty usable cards normally in actually tier four and tier five if you get lucky. It's funny, I've just uh I've just scanned the prize pool real quick in tier two and I've looked sort of the middle of the pack. I'm not kidding, the first name I've landed on is Pascal Gross. That's the first name <laughs> that I've landed on in the middle of it. For the listeners, we're gonna be talking about that a little bit later on in the show. So you'll understand why I'm laughing about that. But moving on, uh we had some big Premier League games this week, and we well maybe had some interesting refereeing slash VAR calls in them as well. Um, the first one I'd like to talk about is that Arsenal City game because I don't understand how Kovacic stayed on the pitch. I it's don't get a mystery, it. isn't it? It's an absolute mystery. It is. I'm so bored of this inconsistent refereeing. I do not understand. I mean, the first challenge was for me a straight red, but the second challenge, the fact that wasn't a second yellow card as well, is absolutely baffling to me. I don't. I really don't. I, I really don't know what to say about that. I mean, I, I'm I'm quite happy for Arsenal that they won that game because. Had they not have won that game, that would have just been a bit of a robbery there. 
they should, City should have been down to ten men in the thirtieth minute. So, but that was that was that was a nice late goal for Martinelli. Did you guys watch that, Mashuman? Yeah. What did what did you think of? I thought it was quite a boring game. I thought it was quite a boring game, really. You know, you, you hype up and and Sky and the you know the TV companies like to hype up when the the big teams play each other, but quite often they sort of cancel cancel each other out, and it was a bit of a nothing game, really. There weren't any amazingly good chances. The winner was just a huge deflection. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was quite boring, really. Yeah, he was quite. Do you know what? I, I, I watching it, it didn't feel like City wanted to win. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It was like they'd gone down to ten men already, and they were trying yeah. to hold on for a draw. It was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was a strange game. I think maybe the occasion had got to some of the players. Not having Rodri's huge for City. They just yeah, and Rodri's not on that pitch. They're a totally, totally weakened side. Um, which is really annoying because they're just about having back when we play them in after the international break, which is awesome. Can't wait for that. That'll be a eight. I think. Smashing. I think um, you know over the years, over the last five years, we've we've always looked at City in the Premier League and and as a European force. As what kind of separates them a lot of the time over the rest of the teams is their strength and depth, and they look so light this year, don't they? I mean, you know, Rico Lewis and. Um, and Kovacic, I do rate Kovacic as a player. I think he's a good player and he's done well over the years for Chelsea. But that midfield didn't look great, did it really? As a, you know, having that control of the game that you miss without a Rodri and, you know, and De Bruyne is being injured as well. And they've just had a lot of injuries this season and coupled with losing some of the big players who've done well for them over the years, like Samarez, etc. You know, and Gundahan as well. I think they look quite light as a squad, weirdly. We said that yeah. a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah. That they, they'd bench. I can't remember which match. I think it was the first time we had you on the pot, you guys on as hosts. That um, we both, both. I think it was you and me, Ryan. We looked at the city bench, and it literally, you know, it was loads of reserve players on there. Yeah. Whereas normally last season, their bench would be worth as much as you know most teams' first team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they that that's that's been their issues. That I think. I think their depth has been high quality. Like the players they have is are high quality. They just don't have a high quantity of them. They just have like, you know, a few players that are of incredible quality on the bench. But that's it. It's a that few players. Sounds not... a bit like your gallery, Ryan, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm one injury away from uh, having to load up again. That's my issue. So, yeah, the, the, the City-Arsenal game, I do agree. It's a bit of a... I thought it was, it was one of those games where... From a casual perspective, maybe it was a bit of a boring watch. But if you're an Arsenal fan, my word, that would have been a great day. Declan Rice as well. Just incredible player, isn't he? Just absolutely fantastic. We'll briefly touch on United. Can we, can we one, one last thing on um, Arsenal before we uh, head off to another match? I thought, obviously, without Saka, Saka's an amazing loss. Yeah. But Arsenal this season are, you know, they're great at counter-attacking. They've got pace on both sides. Neither Trossard, I think it was Trossard that played on one side and uh, Jesus played on the other. Neither of them are particularly quick. No. So Martinelli, when he came on, made a massive difference right from the off. So it would be interesting if they, because Martinelli's got a very patchy injury, injury history. If they do lose him, where's that pace coming from? But anyway, let, yeah. yeah, let's move on. But yeah, the other thing with Arsenal quickly is, I don't think they've got a competent striker. I don't think Enketi is good enough, and Gabriel Jesus, I don't think, is a goal scorer. He's more of a creator. I think their their biggest issue at the moment they don't have anyone in the box either. So too often are they relying on their wingers rather than trying to create chances in the box. But yeah, 
on to United. Um, I actually didn't watch the game live because I, I have league games on a Saturday. So I was playing whilst the game was on. But my game finished and there's about six minutes left of the United game before extra time. And we were 1-0 down at home. I just looked at my phone. I thought, you are joking me. Uh, so I start driving home. I get home and I've got two FOTMOB notifications. McTominay scores, McTominay scores, and we end up winning 2-1. Um, and after watching the highlights, I mean, that was that's what you call an impact. So it felt like Fellaini all over again, back when we used to bring him on in the, uh, in the 90th minute. Um, I don't know what's going wrong at United. I mean, I find I don't know what's going wrong, but it's getting ridiculous. Do you think there's a point where you start looking at the manager and, and you know, questioning him a little bit? Because I've seen quite a few... Do you think there's a point, Ryan, where you start to question the manager and, and what he's doing? I mean, he's, he's brought in quite a lot of players from the Dutch league and, you know, he's been there a little while now. Do you think there's... Uh, I've started to see, you know, a few fans start to finger at Ten Hag. Do you think that's fair or not? Um, I don't think it's... I don't. I, I wouldn't say it's time to question Ten Hag yet. I think that this season's been a bit of an anomaly. When I say I don't know what's going wrong, it's more of me being a bit facetious because realistically, we've had some really, really bad injuries that are, that are causing us massive issues, especially in build-up. I think that in general, Ten Hag, I think, is a let down massively by the club. I think he's been let down from from day one, really, because we don't really have a scouting team. We don't have anyone that's working alongside him to bring the right players in. We don't have anyone that's looking for those young up up and coming players. He's kind of been asked to do everything. And that's why he's gone and got players from the Dutch league because he knows he, he can sort of trust them to do a role. And I think that when you look at other clubs, you look at sort of Liverpool, for example, under Klopp, Klopp's not the one going out and picking out these players and saying, right, give me, give me Salah, give me Mane, give me... It's, it's the, the the recruitment team that know what Klopp wants that are going out and finding players that fit that position to a T. And we don't have that. We're, we're run so poorly that we either sign shirt sellers or the manager's got to go and find his own players. And that's just quite rare in a top level club. Um, so that's our, our big problem right there. And, and like I said, the injuries have been really poor. Um, in terms of defensive injuries, yesterday we played with Maguire and Evans at centre-back and Lindelof at right-back because... Uh, are both our uh, sorry both our first team left backs are injured our backup left back we got on loan is injured so we've got to play our only fit right back at left back and then Lindelof's then got to play at right back and we were playing Amrabat at left back before and now he's finally got into midfield and yeah it's it's injury galore for us at the moment it's it's not looking good I watched the um, extended highlights on um, Sky so they do like because obviously this was a three o'clock kickoff as you said so it like you know, they like often Sky will have like half an hour extended highlights of matches and add them in this. And I watched the whole the whole of that. And I thought, you know, it actually looked quite good. Like going forward, literally, they should have won the match. They did, Obviously, they did eventually anyway. But I thought I thought they looked reasonably good. My main criticism of United right now are Ten Hag. It just seems a bit cold with the players. Like the best managers that I can remember over the years, and we're talking about like Pete Jose when he first came to Chelsea, they get behind the players, they stick an arm around them, you know, they'll come out onto the pitch afterwards. Klopp's obviously famous for going around hugging all the players and they make them feel part, part of a unit, part of a team. And I just don't feel like, you know, excluding Sancho, I don't care what he's done and whatever he's done, you know, obviously give him a fine, but then integrate him back in. Don't like hold a grudge, and it feels like he's been 
you know, hung out to dry now and, you know, a bit of a scapegoat for the whole team. So that would be my one thing. I think going forward, I think they look okay. I th- I love this new, the, um, what's his name? Uh, Hoy- Hoyland. 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 Yeah, I love Hoyland. I think he looks like a absolute baller. He looked brilliant in the Champions League last week, last midweek. And even good at the weekend. Obviously, his SO5 scores didn't reflect that. I think going forward, they look good. I think Rashford, I don't know what's going on with him at the moment, whether it's a bit tired or whether he's got an injury or whatever's going on. He doesn't look 100% happy. I think the problems are the defence, and a lot of that is down to injuries. So maybe when they get the players back, they'll be a better team. I don't know. but Yeah, hopefully. I think I do agree with you in the sense that he does look very cold, but I think part part of it, like, when we were going for our good run last season, like he was getting behind the players and, and you know, everyone's getting like his arm around them and stuff like that. And and the worst part is with Sancho is that like he's done so much for Sancho. Like he, you know, he he was protecting Sancho like crazy. He sent him on a, a two month I don't know where where Sancho went, but to like get his head right last year and like, you know, every time he was coming on, like he's got his arm around him, like giving him giving him like talks and stuff like that. So but now, yeah, um, when things are not going great, it feels like, yeah, maybe maybe there is a bit of a disconnect there. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it's the Dutch way, isn't it? I don't know. Because yeah, various Dutch managers in the past have been like that. But who knows? Yeah. Um, the last game I want to talk about is Liverpool-Brighton. thought you guys would enjoy talking about that one. Do you know what I'll say straight away? I don't know who the player was, but that, in my opinion, it should have been a straight red for that penalty because he's denied Sabozlai essentially a tap into an open goal without an effort of actually going for the ball. And I thought that cancelled out the double jeopardy rule. And that was a straight red because he didn't make an effort to get the ball. But apparently it's not. Have a guess. Have a guess which player it was, which Brighton player. Oh, was it gross? <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to. Oh, that's funny. But why is that not a red? Is that, have I, do I just not know the rules of football or something? I don't know. It just, yeah, it just seemed bizarre. I didn't think it was his fault, though. In all honesty, it was ridiculous by Verbruggen to to give him that pass. Oh yeah, stupid, insane, wasn't it? I mean, every you know, there were so many mistakes. There was three goals. The first three goals in the game were all from ridiculous, you know, individual mistakes of basically trying to overplay. Yeah, and it's it's a tricky one because obviously, you know, modern football the way is for most teams to play out from the back. There are times when you probably shouldn't do it, or you, or you're kind of taking a risk on when you shouldn't. I wouldn't say the the the, the dunk error or the Van Dyke one were, you know, they weren't calamitous, but the the Verbruggen one for the penalty was kind of, I mean, as a goalkeeper, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it was funny this weekend. Like as a as a rule, I watched Anana Van uh, uh, Van Bruggen, um, Allison, uh, Raya. Um, even Edison at one point, all making mistakes. And because teams were pressing them so high up, like, and they've been told by the managers, obviously, or they've been coached to play out from the back, like, it puts the keeper in a really difficult situation because if you hold on to the ball for too long, you get a yellow card. If you put the ball down to try and play, they press you, and then you've got to try and find the pass. But if they're successfully doing a press which so many of the best teams are now then what do you do i mean i you know i don't understand what do you just kick it long 
I think I think common sense is at times you've got to make that split second split second decision to go look. If there is no pass on, then you have got to look longer for it. And and I think it's almost like, you know, goalkeepers have been like you say so programmed to you can't pass it long. You've got to pass it short. There's got to be a six or eight yard pass on every time. Well, if there isn't, and each of those plays is that tightly marked that you've got to go longer, then you've just got to go longer sometimes. And, you know, you quite often see these mistakes made because it is just ingrained in, in, in goalkeepers on certain teams that you have to play out from the back. And, yeah, it's a weird one. I just think, I just think there are times where, as a keeper, you've just got to make that decision as an individual yourself and think common sense has got to prevail. And, and if there is no pass on, don't try and force it. Because you're well, going like to like, situation like that. It's like the Newcastle game last midweek against PSG. You know, I think most people expected PSG to at least get a result. I think Newcastle, you know, probably fancied their chances. Newcastle just pressed them and outran them and like outfought them. And every time Don Roma had the ball, like um, I can't remember who it was now, whoever's playing on the right wing, left wing, they would push onto those centre backs, the striker charge the goalkeeper but not only that the players in behind moved up and the back line went all the way up to the halfway line how do you play out from that you, you, i mean i'm surprised i'm really surprised don Roma didn't start just booting it long and try and hope uh, for mbappe to beat the offside trap but that's obviously not the way they've been told to play so mm-hmm. newcastle remind me a little bit of how liverpool used to play when you sort of win the Premier League and the Champions League. And I was saying this because I watched the game with my roommate yesterday. And I was saying that, like, I don't know why Liverpool tried to overplay so much. Because realistically, Liverpool are always known for them just outworking teams and, and out-pressing teams and, and, and just literally suffocating teams. So I don't know why all this, like, I feel like Pep Guardiola's at fault because he sort of brought in this, like, idea that you have to sort of ping it around everyone and pass it five yards until the other team fall and, and die, really. Because it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's it's too much. Gone now are the days where it feels like being good at football is 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 about making the right decision at the top end and stuff like that. It feels like now it's all about phase one and, and you've got to build up that play from the back and things like that. It's getting a bit silly now. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. And looking at the SO5 scores from that match as well, Obviously, Salah did well. Solly March, who was playing at left-back, did really well because he got an assist. I mean, there were a few guys that did, got decent AA, like Alexi McAllister, I think he, uh, Lewis Dunk. But there wasn't that many great performances on the pitch but for the Liverpool game anyway. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very surprised Alisson got the error led to goal for that, for that goal, though. I thought it should have been Van Dijk or uh, McAllister that got the error. But Yeah, no, I, I personally, I think that's absurd. I think yeah. it's because they thought he was out of position, but he kicked yeah. the ball out and he's not expecting the guy to shoot. I don't think that's an error leading to goal. No. I think the error has come from losing the ball at so high, um, high at the pitch, was which wasn't his fault. Yeah, no, that is that is very surprising. But things like that are just the luck of the draw. Sometimes they'd give it to the goalkeeper, other times they might give it to Van Dijk or, you know. Yeah, I guess maybe it was tough as well because who's whose fault would you say Van Dijk or McAllister? There, maybe it's just easier to just say, "Ah, oh, it's Allison's. We'll have a day off. It's Allison's fault." Yeah. Um. So moving on, more so rare related talk now. Recently, we had a big update from So Rare, and it's that they're changing the monthly from All Star to Cap Two Seventy, and in this change, they are removing completely 
the weekly rewards and they're giving it to a one-time monthly rewards distribution. And their sort of uh, reasoning for that is they say they don't want people to double dip as much. They don't want people winning multiple rewards during the week and then a, a monthly reward. They want more individual unique people winning a reward at the end. Um, so I thought we'd talk about it because it's a big change. It is a big change. And I quite liked Cap 270 before this. I used to enjoy playing it because of the 50% captain bonus. Like if you get that captain bonus right, it can make a difference between a tier three and potentially a tier one because of the extra 50 points you can get there from the captain bonus. Um, and I just, I'm not, I'm really not a big fan at all about this change. Um, and I've, I've been vocal about it on Twitter a few times and the the main sort of reasoning behind it I'm getting from a lot of people is it's somehow better for smaller galleries because they get a chance at winning a reward more. But I personally disagree. And I wanted to get your guys' opinions first before I sort of share mine as, as to why I disagree. So, uh, David, what do you think? I mean, I, I liked it in All-Star. You know, don't get me wrong. For me, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, like, the extra strategy that went into it for planning ahead. I enjoyed tracking my progress. You know, I really enjoyed it. So keeping a month long, I think, was a great, you know, they had to do it, in my opinion, because it was so well received. We knew from, what, a couple of weeks ago that they were going to move it from All Star. And we speculated at the time that Cat 240 would probably be the perfect landing spot. I think it probably is the perfect landing spot in certain ways but obviously not for so rare because they don't want to attract even more teams into that that are going after the top end and therefore more likely to win ETH. So I, I, I do understand why it's not in there. I saw a lot of people saying that you should go into cap 220 and I think that's okay because people generally, especially bigger galleries, don't really take 220 series. It's just whatever fits at the end of the, you know, whatever you've got left over and you can put that one limited card in there. So I think it's potentially good in there. However, it would probably cause the kind of price spikes that we see on so rare NBA. And for people that don't play that, like you'll get a player that will be, for whatever reason, a low cap one game week and suddenly their price will exponentially grow. So a player like, I don't know, say Joe Gomez coming, coming back from an injury, had an L15 of zero. Suddenly he's worth, you know, twice as much as Virgil van Dijk. And I don't think that can be good for the game long term either. Um, it works in basketball to a degree, although, you know, I got bored with having to sort of play it all of the time to, you know, to do well. But um, so, you know, then the problem, it then it only comes down to Cap 270, really. That's the only place you can put it. I love Cap 270. You know, it's one of the one of the probably after all star all star all-star recently it's the one where i've actually targeted the most you know and one where i've had decent success this weekend i think i finished 12th you know i won it and won mbappe and uh tier three super rare only what a couple of months ago i've podiumed it as well since then so i've done pretty well in it and i enjoy targeting it so i think it's a good change to the platform personally for me a little bit frustrated i still think that with two weeks until it actually goes live I still think that there's potentially some changes that they can make, but I've been talking for ages. I'll talk about them in a sec. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased that they've kept going with a monthly comp, um, same as you, David. I'm also pleased they've moved it to a cap competition because I think that's, I think that's the side of it that does 
lend itself to making it a bit easier for smaller galleries because you've got a, a cap to limit that everybody's got to work to. Yes, you might not have the same depth of quality, but, you know, it's a larger gallery, but everyone's working within the same parameters, whereas All Star, you know, somebody with a, a bigger gallery uh, and deeper pockets can just put five absolute smashes in and, you know, it is hard to compete uh, on a level playing field. So I like that they've moved it to cap, uh, cap mode. I get the reasons completely why they didn't put it in 240. Uh, I don't think really many more people would have played cap 240 because I think nearly everybody who's playing so rare is already playing that. So I don't know that they've ended up paying any more out in ETH from doing that on a weekly basis. I don't think it's necessarily that more people would play. I think it's that more people would take it seriously yeah. and put priority yeah. cards in there. Therefore, they're more likely to get over the, the threshold. Potentially, but there's still that hard cap of 240, so you can only do whatever you can do within those constraints. Uh, but I get I get that argument. So, yeah, I mean, having thought about it, I saw Ryan's tweet. Um, I've listened to some of the other conversations about it. And, yeah, I, I agree that um, I think that the, the issue with it is, yeah, it's nice to have it in a cap mode. It probably lends itself to a bit more kind of levelling of the playing field and, and kind of skillful lineup construction. Um, but there is disappointment amongst most managers that there isn't a weekly um, reward structure in place. And when you do kind of compare it to the, the you know, the prize pools in the, in the normal weekly 270, it is a bit stingy and, and you're actually getting less. I like that there's star rares on offering a limited um, competition and there's a long tail of star limited as well. So I think the I think the quality, if you finish in the higher positions, is there and that's rewarded. But I don't think, um, you know, I think there should be something given weekly. Now, again, I get that there is... You know, so rare, um, you know, the argument could be said that they're giving away too many cards. And there's certainly an argument that, that you know, they're giving away of so many cards, lowers card prices in the market. So, you know, I think we're in a place now where they don't just have to give out card cards as rewards. We've seen them have competitions where they give out, you know, um, shirts and signed shirts for, for certain competitions, tickets to games, um, ETH. Um, so coins, you know, there's quite a range of different things they could do. Um, boosts, even in the club shop. I mean, you know, I'd probably prefer to get a an XP boost on on a player than a tier five, um, and I think a lot of people would. So I don't know why they don't tap into that more, and and you know, rather than just having a a competition where it's purely cards are giving away, mix it up a bit, make it exciting, change it weekly, you know. And yeah, okay, have the the most fruitful rewards at the end of the competition, but give give users something to go for each week because I, I just think I think without that it, it's difficult to say yeah it it you know it is worth chucking everything at if you if you can't win anything weekly. Well, yeah. I saw some some people complaining online saying that um, you know it's not great for small galleries, and I think the reality is not much is going to be great for small galleries. They're looking for people to progress. So rare is a business. They need to sell cards. So they want the demand to be there for cards. So they want people to go from five cards to 10 cards, 10 cards to 20 cards. And that's fair enough. You know, then you can choose what you target. Maybe you target All-Star and Cap 270. 
maybe you target 240 and 270. I do, I completely agree with you. And I think that they need to make some changes to it before it goes live. What I would like to say, as you just said, there's so many other things that they could offer. I think that they should still offer some cards right at the top though, you know, or maybe, you know, a dramatically reduced. I think I had a quick look and it was like 300 card rewards this current game week. Maybe take that down to 50, have a star and a, a tier three on the podium and then let it drop down quite quickly. Cause at least then if a user does target it and they haven't got a team that's probably going to do enough every for, to get four big scores they could get lucky still one week but then also put coins in there you know why have they yeah. not put coins in there why have they not just come out and said you know for winning it you get a thousand coins you get 500 per second but you get like you know whatever going down in that's in limited in rare maybe you know four thousand five thousand for winning it going down etc you know that gives you the opportunity then to the potentially put it towards buying shirts down the down the line or have a signed shirt up top have yeah. mystery shirts for the top 10 whatever yeah completely agree i mean the other thing that that they've started introducing i don't know if you've seen this the last couple of days for referrals now they're giving um credit rather than cards and the credit you can use to you know in, in a transfer market on auctions to you to buy whoever you want, actually. Um, so it kind of, it stops that process of, okay, I, I, I'm given a, a card for reward. I don't really want that player. I chuck it straight on the transfer market and then it it clogs up the secondary. Um, if you're given credit and you have to claim that back, you know, they're not giving out actual ETH, but it's, it's as good as ETH to use. It's the same thing, but it stops you being able to just store that up and make a withdrawal and, and take money off the site. So it's, you know, I don't know why they can't do stuff like that. Even if it's not giving ETH away, why don't you give some credit away that you can, you know, use in the market to acquire players? And that would be really valuable as well. Yeah, yeah, they've obviously got the facility to do it, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they could do it. I think my, my biggest issue is that, um, like, the way they've marketed it, they've said it apparently is better for the small galleries because it gives more people a chance of winning a reward. But the issue is, and maybe maybe it's because I look at it just from a rare perspective, because that's sort of where I play, and that's why I look at things. My issue is, is that sacrificing eight game weeks in a gallery to then get a tier four at the end of the month, what's the point? You're winning an £11 card at the end of the month for sacrificing eight game weeks. It would take one single score of about 360 points to win a tier four. Like, you really don't need to sit there and play an entire month long. If you think that your gallery is so bad that you need eight game weeks to win one tier four that you're just playing so five poorly like that's the, the the truth about it so i just think it's i think it's totally pointless to do it like this and i think not having a reward in the in the week long competition with the month long i think for anybody that gets a decent score it automatically means it's it's suboptimal because you would have probably won a better reward with that one good score then you're going to get accumulatively over the month unless you are one of the top dogs. Um, and, and for me, the biggest issue is that ultimately it still be dominated by Wales. Like the like people seem to think that Wales don't have 5,000 cards. Like they are going to have enough cards to, to put out all their priority lineups and then put out a massive, massive team in Cap 270 of their extras. Like they're going to have players that smash as their extras. They're still going to be the ones that are at the top 10, 20, 30, 50. So I don't know. I think for me, 
Sorry, I got it wrong with this. I think it would have made more sense the way they've done it this way in cap 240 because at least you're winning threshold every week. But yeah, for me, I don't know. I think they got it wrong. For me, it's what, like the other thing, they never seem, they always seem to give out more cards or they change the card reward. I want to see them add a bit of ETH sometimes. Like they have the ETH. They 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 make the ETH every week from from sales, from the the tax on the cards, from from everything really. I, I want to see them every now and then add a bit of ETH to a competition instead. Because it's only ever cards being distributed. They they have to take the rewards from one place and put them somewhere else. Like put your hand in your pocket every now and then and offer like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be much to them to, to say throw 10 ETH at the monthly competition down from first winning maybe an ETH, second maybe 0. 0.5, 0. 0.25 for third, all the way down to like top 50 maybe. You can distribute 10 ETH very easily. That's not a big chunk out of Slow Race pocket. They're not they're not going to be missing that. But that was my uh that was my my little rant about anyway. I did I did a lot of that ranting on Twitter. And to be honest, I was actually kind of expecting them to, to do a bit of a U-turn like they have with a couple of other decisions, but but now they're sticking by it, which is fair enough. Well, we haven't. We don't know for certain yet, do we? It's two weeks yeah, until it yeah, starts. Yeah, true, right? true. I, I, I really like the idea of offering other things, though. I like the idea of offering club shop bonuses and stuff like that. I like that a lot. I think that's a really good idea. That'd be that'd at least add some value to the weekly. Because at the moment, I just think there is no, no value. I think it'd be silly to target the Cap Two Seventy competition <laughs> for anybody that isn't a whale. Like, I think it'd be silly to like put good cards in there because they're just better served in a different competition where you can win a weekly reward. And even they I won't mean, go, target it. They'll just have big enough yeah. galleries that they yeah. can play it without having to, you know, worry about their other lineups. Mm-hmm. Just going back to the whole, um, you know, other prizes and, and SoCoin conversation, I think the key thing is they just need to expand massively what's available in the club shop because it's so lacking at the moment. And, and you see this huge rush every time there's a... a you know, a jersey drop and, and people go crazy for that and they sell out in, in milliseconds. The only reason that happens is because there's nothing else tangible worth buying in that club shop at the moment. If you had tickets available, if you had, you know, um, other merchandise available, I don't know, other in-game assets that you could acquire through there, then those coins become worth winning and they become more valuable. At the moment, we all just win them each week and sort of go, you know, great, I'm stacking these things up in the hope that at some point I can I can trade them in for something that is worthwhile. But they and, hoped to have the fitness thing, didn't they? Which would have yeah. been like a massive like um, drain on the coins. People would have yeah. used them to like train their players up. Perhaps that's an issue at the moment. They they plan to bring that in, and we're all here stacking these coins every week, and and you know we don't know what to do with them, and they, and they don't know they haven't got anything for us to spend them on at the moment. But you know if you're giving out those coins in a competition, and they actually have either you know uh, the, the sort of power to to trade them in for something physically tangible or something that's going to help you week to week in the game then the value of those things just increases massively and then they are really worth rewarding competitions so i'd like you know i think that's the answer really is is get a bit more in the club shop and and um start giving out those coins in, in certain competitions a bit more often and then people are quite happy to win to win them instead of cars, perhaps. Yeah, I think the only the only thing with tickets I know is that I think they get between four and twelve tickets per game every season for the licensed teams. Um, I don't know how quickly they'd sell out, and I don't know how 
that I don't know if they'd be able to offer many because I know like I know they often use tickets to send influencers to games to get free marketing and things like that and and obviously that's quite valuable for them um but it'd be interesting to see I, I I'd love to see what they can offer like I said like that I think I think the the fitness center the medical center whatever they, whatever they're calling it was going to be a big thing in the club shop and you could use coins and stuff for that but I'd love to see what else they actually could offer. I like the idea of credit. I think that credit idea could be really good. You know, maybe, maybe I've, at the minute I've got about 40,000 so coins. Maybe that could get me, I don't know, five pounds off in the, mar- in, the in, in the market or something. Like, you know what I mean? Because I know there's some people, PSG fans has got nearly, f- I think, 600,000 coins. So like, it'd be a bit, you know, he could just effectively just buy everything. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that have just saved up a ton of their coins and have a stupid amount of coins now. So yeah, they've got to kind of be careful with it. But moving on, we wanted to quite to touch upon something that we spoke about in our group chat earlier this week. Uh, me and Chris were having a debate about sort of the the idea of quantity versus quality in the gallery and the sort of strategy behind having multiple say tier one players versus having one star um and i would say it, the, the main debate was uh was gross versus kimmich and this is why we were laughing about pascal gross earlier it kind of stemmed from uh talking about having for me i like having one player that i know is fixture proof that can score massively that can play every week in a in a priority top tier lineup whereas chris would prefer having maybe two or three players that aren't on the Kimmich or Rodri level, for example, but you can play matchups. And I wanted to hear David's thoughts on this as well, because David obviously is a successful Surrey player and wins a lot of rewards every week as well. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on whether, which side you think you fall upon closer? Um, I would say I've always been on Chris's side. <clears throat> My strategy has always been by comparison. Like, you know, if Kimmich is one ETH, but there's another player that's, you know, 0.1 that delivers pretty much the same performance, then why not buy that player? But the problem is that with those type of players, generally it's because there are, there's a certain situation happening. Maybe that maybe it's long-term, it could, um, that, that sort of performance could stay long-term, but often it's like a, it will be a short-term fix. And so my idea then was, okay, so I'll buy three or four players for 0.1 as opposed to paying 0.1 for a Kimmich, uh, one ETH for a Kimmich. I know these prices aren't exact, but um, then you reach a sort of a ceiling where you have loads of potentially good players who can do well in certain matchups on certain weeks, but you don't have enough ballers at the top end. And that's not so much an issue for me in limited because obviously the the cards are a lot cheaper, so I can afford them. However, for rare and super rare, it is becoming an issue. And there's been a couple of teams this weekend where if I'd had that one killer, I could have maybe won a T0 or T1 as opposed to a tier two. Now, I'm happy with the tier two, don't get me wrong. But I just think that rather than having 550 rare cards, maybe I should sell 50 or 100 of them and buy you know, three or four absolute ballers. And so in our group chat, I said to, I think originally to Chris, I said, like, I need to find someone who's got solid AA, who's captaincy material every week in Champ Europe. And I put a list out there and Chris immediately said Pascal Gross. 
Haber came on and said, "Well, uh, Kimmy Gordon, there, there, someone like that, yeah, someone like that." So the, you know, that's where. So, so at the moment, I'm sort of thinking I probably have to save up and like I've been trying to sell a few cards. I've managed to raise about half a coin so far, so I could probably get one rare. Um, I don't want to dive into it, so I've been looking on FB Ref, FB Ref for players that are underperforming their XG and XA at the moment who are in good situations. Uh, but it's tough, you know. If you want a good player that's a consistent player that plays for a good team and is likely to continue scoring big points, you've got to pay up. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I said it in the in the chat, I think it, for me, gallery is a very important piece of context as well because it wouldn't make sense for someone to go and buy a Kimmich and play them with like, I don't know, a goalkeeper that that plays for a bottom half of the table team. Like you're not you're not putting Kimmich in the same team as like, oh my mind's gone blank. Neto, for example, you're not running Kimmich. You're not you're not running Neto, Kirkes, Kimmich, Solanke, and um, Christie. Apologies if you're a why, Bournemouth. Why, why not? Apologies if you're a Bournemouth fan. Listen, why would you not um, do that? But you what you wouldn't run that because you're ultimately wasting the value of Kimmich there because Neto so, is likely not going to keep a clean sheet every week. Bournemouth are playing Luton at home. Yes. One game yeah. week an entire year, you get the value. But the issue is that you could sell Kimmich and sell, if you sold Kimmich and let's say the entire lineup there, you've mm. got enough to build a stronger five-man lineup than having one Kimmich and everybody else and hoping the rest of them just do well. Because ultimately relying on let's say Bournemouth or or Everton or or Luton or Sheffield or those like bottom tier teams, it won't work most of the time. You, you're kind of buying them hoping for that one game week a year where they play Luton at home or they play Sheffield United at home and hoping the firm's absolutely smash. Um, and that strategy is actually a strategy that's been employed employed by people that they're sort of buying the lower tier teams and waiting for them to have that massive game week in smash. But a lot of the time it's by people that can afford to have other lineups out at the same time and wait for those like those players to come good for that one week. But yeah, for me, for my gallery post, I think it makes a lot of sense to have someone like a Kimmage or, you know, a Rodri or someone that smashes because every week they're getting put in a lineup with two or three buying players or uh, they're getting put in a lineup with some Galatasaray players and they're, they're in a lineup where the players around them most weeks are going to hit big scores. So I need someone that I can rely on every week to put into that lineup so that it doesn't kill the scores every week. And I mean, like this week, for example, had I have had someone that, like I put Stengs in this week and had I have put in, I don't know, uh, Tadic or um, Komen, for example. Komen, I think I win the division. If I put in a Tadic, I think I get a high tier one, for example. Um, and I think it's like every, like you want... The, someone that you can rely on and and it goes to show that not every week the smashes smash you know because stengs have been smashing every week and and this week he doesn't smash and it costs me a big reward so yeah um i mean it, i think it goes around sort of i think it goes both ways really i mean for me I've, what i've written down is and, I, and you have kind of touched on this already I, I think it does completely depend on your gallery composition so if you if you've already got a lot of depth like david has then perhaps he needs to go for a couple of higher quality additions in there to make the difference. Equally, if you've got a really small, tight gallery and it's just, you know, real, real high quality, you probably need to look at depth. So it, it, it the answer probably varies depending on 
on what the makeup is of your of your gallery first and foremost. Um, in terms of why I prefer, you know, um, I suppose the cheaper option, the um, you know, spreading the risk and, and and having a couple of different players is there's a few reasons for it. So number one is spreading risk. Um, I think if you put everything into one player, one expensive player. Who knows if they're going to do their ACL next weekend? Who knows if they're going to break their leg? You know, if you've got three guys who for a, a much a much cheaper price than what your one's going to cost, if one of them gets injured, well, you've still got two others who who can come in and do a job. Um, you can look at um, playing matchups. You can look at playing a fixture and really targeting those teams. So in every league across Europe, you have a, a Luton or... Um, uh, an Al Maria or any of these, you know, bottom clubs that really get tanked every week. And if you can have a a range of players where you look at your you kind of line up builder three or four days before and you see a real nice a nice spot for a player um and you've got three or four of them, you haven't got to rely so much on just your your one guy every week rolling out um you know and and consistently hitting those 70 plus scores you can kind of target those matches and um you know and bully bully those teams really i suppose i think you can also from a trading point of view look at it i think if you if you generally in my experience if you buy one of the expensive players they've got the furthest to fall so a little bit of bad form for a, a bruno or a kimmich or someone like that you know three or four games where they're not so good the price is going to drop massively because it's got such a long way for them to drop. Whereas if you're buying guys who are, you know, lower down and probably a little bit undervalued, not only can you get a bit of, you know, hopefully performance out of them when you're targeting the weak teams, but you're also going to potentially see more likely price growth. And it depends what you want to do. I mean, if you're solely focused on just SO5 performance, buying the best players, putting them in a lineup each week, then yeah, okay, buy the best players. But if you want to grow your your gallery evaluation, if you want to try and push on and progress in the game, it's not just about SO5, it's about growing the you know the gallery value in terms of then getting to a point where you can say, okay, this guy's overperformed, this guy's had a lovely run of fixtures for the last 10 or 15 games. And when I bought them, they were probably a bit underpriced. And now they've gone up fifty percent, and I can I can crystallise that profit, sell them on, and go again. Um, and that's kind of how I've always how, how I've always played. And like I say, whenever I bought an expensive player, you know, you've got to win more than you're losing by doing that, and that's the gamble you're taking really. And it's it's purely SO five terms. You're uh, you're buying that player on. So yeah, it's horses for courses, I suppose. As a as we say in, in this country, it's a bit of a British saying, which. Um, some of our uh, international uh, listeners might not be used to, but you know, it I've just never heard that everyone... saying in my life. Horses for courses. Never heard that saying before in my entire David life. Knows that one, don't you, David? Yes, I've heard it. Yeah, <laughs> that's an age old. thing. That is. That's an age. That's, 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 that's the kind of thing my mum and dad used to say. So <laughs> yeah, that is a that is an age thing I'm right four, there. I'm 40 years old this year in a couple of months, so that's that's showing my age, obviously there. But um, you know, it just means really everyone's kind of entitled to their opinion. Perhaps there isn't a right or wrong answer. It comes down to your risk profile. It comes down to gallery makeup, and it comes down to what you want to achieve out of the game. Yeah, I, I would agree. With, I, I would agree with everything that you said there, and but I, I do think 
that there's ways you can mitigate the risk. Like the the worst way to play, like for me, I'm looking for a decent player. The worst thing I could possibly do is go on so red data, look who's got the highest L15 and L5 or whatever, and has got decent matches coming up and just buy that player. Because why is that player scoring so well? Yes, you know, players like James Madison, Kimmich, etc., can do well every week and their prices often reflect that but i like to look a little bit deeper down into the stats and we've spoken about fb ref you know there are other stats sites on there you know on the internet you can look at but fb ref's cheap and has shit loads of data and you can look in there at find players that are doing well but are perhaps underperforming their xg so let's take jude bellingham as an example and I think Jude Bellingham is one of the best midfielders in the world. I was gutted. I've been saying for the last couple of years that Liverpool need to buy him. So this is no disservice to Jude Bellingham. But his current XG for Real Madrid is four and he's scored eight goals. So he's twice performing his XG, which means that it's likely that will fall a little bit at some point during the season. So his scores, are they sustainable? Well, He's Bellingham, so maybe, and even if his goals fall away, then he's got decent AA as well. But there is going to be a point in the season where he doesn't hit 100s every week or dark greens, and suddenly he's getting, you know, 50s to 60s, which are still good scores, but they're not going to win you a tournament. So, you know, trying to avoid players like that, look for players that have, you know, are doing okay, but are perhaps you know, not doing as well as their XG would suggest that they potentially can do going forward. And that's where I spent sort of a couple of hours yesterday looking at the data. And I won't tell you who I'm thinking of at the moment, but it was quite interesting. I mean, just before you came on actually earlier, me and Abel were, were talking about it. I pulled up, who do you think the top three players in Europe are for shot creating actions per 90 minutes and don't go straight on there and have a look is it pascal gross no he's not no <laughs> is it pascal gross no it's not pascal gross he's quite high he's high though isn't he you he's are pascal gross's number one fan i am have a stab one's from the premier league one is from the bundesliga and one is from um Ligun. james madison yeah he's second berardi no, I don't think I don't think you'll get the other two, so it's probably not worth letting you go on forever. But one is a guy who I've meant I had as my pick of the week. I think either the week before you go guys came on, or the week a week the first week you're on. That's Frank Honorat, who plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, he averages seven points four shot creating actions a game which is pretty impressive because he started as a sub in one game as well. Uh, James Madison is second with 8.76 shot creating actions. So this would be like key passes type thing. You may not get all of those key passes on so rare because, you know, it depends on how the, the action flows out, but at least they're getting into a position to create that sort of data. And he's got nearly nine and he's actually created one of the most out of anyone in Europe. It's 65 shot, shot creating actions. The top person plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Who would you ever guess at? I've looked now, so I know who it is. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. 
So Usman the, Dembele. Yeah, the top one is uh, Dembele, who, yeah. you know, he's a great player. Surprised me a little bit. Mm. And I think he's a highly risky purchase because his track record with injuries is absolutely horrendous. You know, if he can keep all that together, he is a world-class player. He was brilliant at Dortmund before he went to Barcelona. And then, obviously, there was all that trouble around. You know, he likes going out partying and hanging around with the boys there. It didn't really help. And sort of, you know, football became sort of a second thing. And he was having lots of injuries. And, you know, it was just a mess. Maybe in Paris, he can sort of click it and become one of the best forwards in the game. Time will tell. There's some really interesting names on that list, actually. And it's... It really isn't, um, like you say, I mean, you look at the top 10 or the top five, especially, and it's really not a list of names you'd expect to be in there. Yeah, um, Ego Aspas is four. Yeah. Um, don't tell them all. Don't tell them all. He plays I'm for Celta. I'm going to buy a few of these. <laughs> plays for Celta Vigo. Federico DeMarco plays for Inter. Um, Hadji plays for Alvarez in uh, La Liga. I didn't even realise he was there, if I'm honest with you, because uh, he was at Rangers, wasn't he, for a while? Yeah. Um, then a uh, player for Len Lon, who I'm not sure whether he has cards or not, Adrian Thomason. Then we get down to some of the bigger names, Leroy Sané, Joshua Kimmich, Florian Wirtz, Rodri. Uh, but it's interesting that players like Rodri, you know, are that high up when he's more of a six, although, he, I mean, obviously he's so good that he plays everywhere, but... Yeah, I just thought all of that was quite interesting. And that's why I like looking at the data. But Sorry, yeah, Abe, you were, I think you were going to speak before, weren't you? No, no, I'm just enjoying it, mate. I'm just noting down in my head who I'm buying next. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I actually, on this topic, though, what, an interesting one. So I feel like a lot of the time with the, a player that has maybe a tier one price graph versus a tier zero price graph, like for me, James Madison and James Ward-Prowse, both of them seem cheap for the scores they're putting up every single week. And a lot of the time, there is something behind it. There's a reason, right? People are maybe expecting that them to slow off or they're expecting their their scores to drop, maybe. One that I find really interesting, and it's one that I look at every week, and it's going to bother me until I either buy him or he turns bad again, is, do you know, Garassi from Stuttgart? Yeah, he's an awful buy right now. Don't buy. Don't but buy him. Th this is the part I don't get. Is what if, what if he just doesn't stop scoring? He will. But what if he doesn't? Yeah, but th that's the mentality. That's the reason he becomes a hype player. That's the reason his price, you but know, this goes, is the, thing. the middle finger curve goes straight on uh, so red data. That, that, is, that is typical sort of crypto mentality, moon boy mentality. Of, but he's he's not... This will never go he, down. He's, he's not to <laughs> a price at the moment where, like, I think he's insanely hyped. So his rare at the moment is about 400 quid. For a champ Europe rare forward with the scores that he's currently getting that isn't unreasonable for that you like you're looking at you know that's probably a pretty average decent score in champ europe for a forward when does his scores end though because when is he ever though until this season when has he ever had a run where he's been scoring see, yes you know, you're not wrong three decisives every game it's not happening he did have one good season i think i can't remember where it was now but not, I mean, two or three decisives every game for like what 10 games running, yeah. Pretty much, he's he's out before his xg is for the season is 7.2 and he's got 13 goals, so he's a he's literally the highest person in Europe 
exceeding what their expected goals should be. I'm not. Don't get me wrong, by the way. I'm, I'm not going to buy him because but but that's only because I could have bought him for like half the price last two weeks ago. That's the only reason why I'm not going to buy him. I'm stubborn. And, and equally, seven seven goals by this stage of the season for a striker is a pretty good return, anyway. You know, I mean, he's being ex- he's been exceptional. But if he, if he got seven goals by the stage of the season, that'd still be good, wouldn't it? That'd yeah. still be very good. I tell you, the one the one thing that's made me want to buy him though the most is that one game in the last five that he didn't score. He got eighteen and a half AA. Uh, like I look at that, and strikers that can get AA are like liquid gold. They are exceptional when you can get a striker that gets that kind of AA. Um, but yeah. That I, but that's another one, that, and and that's often why a player is a tier zero versus like a tier two, he, and and this is a, a good example is that you don't expect them to keep it up a lot of the time, you you know, or or you expect them to only be able to do it against the bottom five in the team. Whereas someone like a Berardi, for example, who I won the other week, is over double the price of him because the Berardi can get those scores either based on one decisive or he's been doing it for longer or. You know a whole host of other like other things for it. You know what I mean. So um, I think that was a good example for the for the debate we're having. I'm not going to buy Garassi, but like if he gets another hundred, I'll be fuming. <laughs> okay. Every hundred he gets infuriates me. What well, one more little chart then, Chris? I'm going to be watching you. I don't want you to start going on your keys again. Um. So for passing, big. I'm not, we're only talking about the. Big European five leagues, that's the data I've got up at the moment, purely because I wanted a champ Europe midfielder. But you can do this for any league. So who has got the highest XA in Europe's top five leagues? Have a guess. Top five. Bruno Fernandes. Oh, it is. Bruno Fernandes is first, it yes. Is, yeah. yeah, that's why that's, I thought I Bruno, I thought that, Bruno that, for one as well. But... June, Chris, have I you got a list of in front of you? I just put it on Twitter this morning, actually, that. Okay, who else is in the top five? For XA, for expected assists. Yeah, um, actually, the other four are one from La Liga, one from Ligue one is from the Bundesliga, and another one from the Premier League. I'm going to say, I uh, feel Pascal like... Pascal Groves. Pascal Groves? No. <laughs> he hasn't made any of these charts yet. Rodri? No. Is uh, is Teddy Tumor in there? No. Bellingham? No. He's not Bellingham. been really getting assists. So this is oh, XA. Cool. Sorry, for, so it's you say it's one from La Liga. Yeah. Place for Girona. Oh, Alex Garcia. No, though he is pretty high up as well. Saikankov. No. It's not Daily Bench. Oh, um, Can't be. Brazilian, Brazilian yoga. Yes. Savio, is it? Savio. Savio's Savio, got the okay. second high, highest expected assists. Um, he's a guy I bought. Who's third on the list? He's French. He plays for Brest. Oh, uh, Lee Malou. No. No. Castillo. Yes, I've got his card as well. But he's let me down, actually. In fact, he's the card specifically that let me down this weekend. If he'd got a decisive, then I was on for a decent uh, Champ Euro award as well. Fourth on the list. He's from Germany. Plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Hoffman. No. Munch and Gladbach. Oh, sorry, Honorat. I'm thinking of last season. That's not your boy Honor, is it? It is him again. Yeah. And fifth on the list, so we can uh, not keep this going forever, is uh, James Madison. Again. Fair enough. Fair enough. So Bruno's number one, boys. We win the league. 
<laughs> but he's only got one assist. So that's another reason, like, with Man United, I thought, after watching that match, I thought they should have scored more goals. And the data, actually, afterwards is actually telling us exactly that. Yeah, I mean, the, with Bruno, is is what I've been liking recently from a so rare perspective, because obviously I've got his rare, is that, I mean, he scored 76 based on AA against Brentford and scored 64 based on AA alone against Palace as well. So when he starts getting those decisives, we're just going to be seeing some huge scores from him. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, I told my brother this morning when we were talking about Bruno, but back to his win, and I said to him, "You just got to wait until those decisives come, and his price will zoom back up again." I think he should easily be able to sell Bruno. Honestly, probably this week because they play Slovakia, yeah. Portugal plays Slovakia at home. People will be looking for a Bruno, so yeah. I feel like he'll be able to get a sale there. Um, Agree. But I'd say that concludes a sort of uh, strategy talk there. I think we've got a couple of things before we end off. We've got the weekend pick game. Someone here won, and it wasn't Chris. It was me. <laughs> Ruben Providence never doubted him. Never doubted him. He came off the bench, actually. He gave me a call before the game. He said, he said he's French. He goes, uh, Ryan, I'm going to uh, come off the bench and uh, score a goal. So, yeah, he, he, you know, he came off the bench. He got himself 8.8 AA. Actually, 11.5 11. based on attacking alone. Got himself a shot, 3-1 contest, three attempted assists, and two penalty area entries. Um so it was 69 points so big win for me David's still on zero um, but this week's different this week's international so I feel like realistically we should all all of our picks I think should be getting dark green scores this week because I feel like we've all gone for the same sort of thing here and we've picked players that are against some absolute farmers who wants to go first I don't I'll know who I'm picking yet so I'll go first one? okay Chris, yeah go I'll go first so my pick this week is Simon or Simon Kea from AC Milan uh, and Denmark. So uh, I'm not I'm not cheating. I'm having a nice budget pick here, by the way. So that's a little uh, warning to you two in advance. But um, yeah, I mean, when he plays, he plays he plays well and he scores extremely well. Um, last time out, uh, Denmark played San Marino. Um, at home, that was the last home game in, in the qualifiers. And I think nearly every player for them got a massive, massive score. Um, Kea got a 96.8 in that game. Um, and his average at home get in home games for Denmark is 64.9 all time. Um, so yeah, at home, he really, really scores very well for them. Um, He's done pretty well for, for Milan as well when he's played. Um, he's just kind of in and out of the side in terms of rotation. He's, he's a little bit older now, um, 34. But, yeah, he scores really well. He is marked down as um, with a little cross uh, on his name at the moment in terms of saying he's got a slight injury with muscle fatigue. But um, I've had a check and he's in training with a Denmark squad. He will play um apart over the next couple of games. The only risk for me is uh, is rotation, I think. I don't think he'll play both games. I think he'll play one or the other. So they've got San Marino uh, and Kazakhstan. So Kazakhstan's the game of the weekend at home, um, which is the harder of the two, um, definitely. They actually lost 3-2 to Kazakhstan last time they played them in March. Um, and they've done quite well, Kazakhstan, weirdly, in qualifying. So, but Denmark have really got to win this game. I think they're only one point ahead of Kazakhstan in the group and it's a must win. So 
I think, you know, looking at the odds, they're 1.11 um, on Bet365 to win. The odds are huge. And yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. I think he's nice and cheap. Um, we're looking at, you know, floor price, £2.57. Well. £2.57 for a limited, fifteen ninety four for the rare. Yeah, nice budget option for the weekend. Right, well, I didn't go that cheap. Uh, I also went Denmark. I I've gone with Christian Eriksen. I, I feel like it's, it's you know it's not stupidly expensive. I feel like it's still pretty reasonable for basically all the same reasons. I mean, we're we're against. We've got Kazakhstan at home and then San Marino away, and he should play both. He should be on sets. He should just rip two back to back hundreds. So fingers crossed in this anyway. And he's my main United boy. Have you got one? Have you got one, David? Yeah, I was trying to think of one that's a little bit more outside the box, but. I'm going to go with the player who moved from um, the Eredivisie to the Bundesliga. He used to be an absolute killer in my gallery, in a lot of managers' galleries. Javi Simmons. No, and has since completely shat the bed. Hasn't started particularly well. I still hope, I think he's a good player and I still hope he can pull it around. But oh. he does have a smash spot this weekend and that's Vaclav Cerny. Yeah, Jay, He used yeah. to play for Twente. He was absolute you know, baller there, was on set pieces, and he has, has a very similar role for the Czech Republic. And at the weekend, they are at home to the Faroe Islands. Yeah, so I hope he smashes. I'll take that. And his price has dropped dramatically since, you know, his highs. In fact, if he keeps getting bench, you know, bench spots, I would imagine it will drop even further. You can pick him up for under a tenner now. Yeah, that's nuts. I remember, I remember him being like, Solid like five hundred pound, I think he was. Is rare. What was he when I was looking at? Yeah, but more than that. No, not more than that. But four hundred pound back when I had my twenty stack. Yeah, I think we've all got good picks there. Honestly, I feel like we should all have be, be getting dark green scores with this. I really do. I feel like unless we get unlucky and the our players get rotated out, that's the only that's the only only fear is that this rotation. But I think that just about wraps up the show, guys. Yeah, w- one thing before we leave. Obviously, we've been, I've been running a competition for my limited rewards. We're not going to do one this week, mainly because we're going to start a new competition in a couple of weeks' time. It'll probably be the first weekend back, but if I haven't managed to get my ducks in a row by then, it may be the week after that. Essentially, it's going to be a privately, private league that runs within the So Rare, on the So Rare site. Um, haven't quite decided which division to put it in yet. Might put a poll out online for that and have a think about it. Um, it will definitely obviously be a limited division. Not sure whether to put it in All-Star, but it's not going to be the person that wins. The person that wins is not going to be the person that has the most points. It's going to be the person that hits a certain number of points, and that will be decided by how many weeks it runs. So Rare have kindly put up a signed shirt, mystery shirt, cap, and all of my limited rewards for from this midweek onwards, I think. I need to check. But for the rest of October and for the rest of the time the competition runs, we'll be up for grabs. So it's going to be a lot of cards. It won't, they won't all go to one winner. But... Lovely. Well, hopefully I win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll, uh, we'll call it there, guys. Thank you, everyone, that's listened. Make sure you guys, if you want to... Well, we are going to be putting it on YouTube, actually. I will say this. Um, I don't think we spoke about this in the pod yet, but we are looking at putting these on YouTube as well. Uh, that will be coming, hopefully... In the near future, we're just working on a few a few things behind the scenes 
before we uh before we start getting these on YouTube. And then and then you'll have more than sort of one place to listen to it, whether you want to watch us as we talk as well. I don't know why you'd want to watch us as we talk, but if you do, um it'll be there. Um so yeah, we're working on a few different things and then we will be on YouTube as well. So not to fear. We'll be there soon. But thank you to everyone that's been listening. I've been Haber. These, I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. I was hoping you'd be like, well, I've been David. I've been Chris. And this is evil. You're listening to the So Rare Ramble. Um, but take care of yourselves, guys. Have a good one. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.